Willie Do, how you doing? Great. You're doing what you do. That's the main thing. I look forward to it. I'm starting to look forward to these. They're these funny. little uh, these chats. Yeah. The news coverage. I say it every time. It's a lot going on right now. Let's jump straight into it. There's something I want to talk about. Do you mind? No, go for it. Did you hear about the latest Huawei camera controversy? You didn't. You see, I stumped you there. Well, there's been a couple in the past. There's the new one. It's a Huawei moon photo camera controversy, specifically relating to the moon. Like, who would have thought that would be the place where a controversy would emerge? Now, you may have seen people posting their photos on social media of the moon. It's a popular thing to take a photo of in the first place. But, of course, the latest P30 Pro, it's got this crazy zoom function on it. The hybrid zoom, the optical plus the digital. And there's an AI mode that is engaged when you're taking a photo of the moon. Now, people were taking these photos saying, man, my my moon photos look great in this mode. I never imagined it. Moon mode. It's incredible. It turns out there's some, some magic going on in the background that might not be the type of magic that people are comfortable with. So rather than just your typical enhancement of like trying to gauge the correct exposure or something like this, It looks more like some Photoshop tactics in the background where the moon mode is actually looking at a database of images of the actual moon and then superimposing layers of those moon images on your moon. (laughs) The moon photo that you think you just took. In other words, it's taking well-exposed, properly exposed, high-resolution moon photos, and then merging them with yours in order to make your terrible picture look half decent. Now, some people might be cool with that. Some people might be like, hey, I don't care. My moon photo looks better, whether I took it or not. But other people are saying, hey, that's not my photo at all. That's, that's a Photoshop type of layered thing that doesn't belong to me. So I don't know where you stand on it. I think a lot of people might be okay with it if they knew going into it. So here's, here's an image right here. Testing, mood mode feature, testing the moon mode feature suggests Huawei's method of getting shots like the one above is shady at best and unethical at worst. That's on Android Authority. So obviously some people are upset, and I think they feel like if you're going to have a mode like that, maybe full transparency on that front. But the truth is, I mean, everybody thinks they got their own unique photos, don't they? Everybody likes to think their photos are so special. Look how talented I am. Got my photo of the moon. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from everyone. Like, everybody, uh, of course, people are going to think their photos are special. But in reality, the best photo might not be that special at all. It might be a photo that's already been taken a billion times, such as a moon photo might be. So here's how it works. A user holds the P30 Pro towards the moon and zooms in a bit using pinch to zoom. The P30 Pro identifies using AI that the user is trying to take a picture of the moon and suggests moon mode. The user selects moon mode in the camera system, helps you get a clear shot using the aforementioned algorithm. So 
it's up to you whether you think that that's shady or not or you're cool with it. But, but like I said, I think when this type of stuff's going on, users want to be aware that maybe their moon photo is not the moment in time they snapped of that moon, but instead it's a, it's a combination of pre-existing moon photos and their moon photo. And it is kind of, it does bring into question this idea or uh, our, our, our ability to discern what manufacturers mean when they say something is AI mode, like some sort of AI, oh the oh the it's artificial intelligence, so just back off. Like your stuff is better, and don't worry about why. And so when you start to engage this computational photography at all, you are kind of taking your hands off and letting the magic do its trick, but never really looking into exactly what's going. On. Like we we all seem to be cool with the idea of the merging of different exposures, like like HDR, let's say, smart HDR, whatever terminology they use for it. That's okay, that's fine. But then you bring, but then they say, well, in order to figure out the best exposure settings for the photo you're about to take, we're going to look at previous data that's uh, that we can plug into our algorithms in order to determine the best scenario. So they're looking at other people's images, presumably, to get there. To figure out the right settings for those conditions so like we're okay with that but then not okay with this it is a very it's a very squirrely kind of situation uh you know i don't use i don't use those features all the time in fact you've seen me in videos try to turn off some of this stuff sometimes because i do feel like it can get a little out of hand you know on the iphone for example with the selfies and the beauty gate situation where i was like I feel like I can't completely turn off the processing or some of the AI functionality that's going on. Of course, Apple doesn't use the terminology AI, but they're doing some background magic as well. It seems like more and more of these cameras are doing background magic. In this case, most seem to agree that Huawei went too far in this scenario. Imagine the human version of like the moon swap out of like they took millions of photos of attractive people and then like super somehow superimpose those features onto yourself like maybe in the future that's the way it goes i don't know it's possible but anyway in the meantime people aren't happy about it what do you think will are you happy about it or you think they went too far um i think they went a little too far with too it. far yeah. yeah i think people are gonna agree with you no one i don't think people are ready to have actual other images merged with their own i think if you take multiple frames of the same image on the same camera, people are okay with that. That seems in the realm of acceptability for AI photography. But the thing to mention about Huawei, they've been caught in the past with digital SLR photos as part of their press materials, not using the actual smartphone camera to produce the image that turned into the marketing material. So it's not the first time they've been in this particular situation. Yeah, like this one right here. I think we talked about this in the past. So they got to watch it a little bit, especially, and I'll say this, they, they make great smartphone cameras. So they're like the last company that needs to be doing that. They don't have to. Like, I mean, there's the back, the back story. You can see the dude's not, not holding the actual phone at all. So if you're a company that has good hardware and you're creating great images, then you need to stay away from this stuff even more. Yeah, their night mode is, is insane. Their night mode is insane. They're, they're, they're making great mobile cameras so why even allow people to question it by partaking in, in these types of implementations 
or do this type of marketing stuff. You don't have to do it, okay? Huawei people, your cameras are your cameras are good. Your cameras are good. All right, one more thing I want to talk about, Will. Before I know you got a couple of things you want to talk about. The uh, a new new iPhone render has emerged. Uh, plus, a leaked video of a 3D printed version of the next iPhone, iPhone 11, iPhone XI. Yeah, this is it right here. It's kind of a nice looking render. I mean. I guess that's subjective. Some people actually hate this design. I think it's like a lot of iPhone designs where people just get used to it once it's out. But you'll see they flip it over here. This is the part, if you pause it here, this is the part that people seem to be upset about is the camera layout. We talked about it a couple times already. There are people that still refute it, even though we've seen it mocked up. We've seen the renders and even the uh, the leaked case mold metal component that appears to share this design uh, if i've learned anything about iphone leaks in in the past it's like when this stuff starts to emerge it's almost always right so i think the camera layout's gonna look something like this and there's gonna be some people that are upset i guess it's got a, a multi-eyed look triple camera set up on the back in this render supposedly that extra third camera now is gonna be an ultra wide or a super wide depending on what they want to call it to keep pace with the other manufacturers. I mean, they kind of have to do this. And I think, I get it. It's not the prettiest looking thing, but really none of these mega camera layouts are the best looking. So I kind of get it. Also the hump in this particular render doesn't look huge. Mm -hmm. I'm, trying, I'm trying to be optimistic here, as you can tell. I get it though. I mean, it's not the best looking thing. Some of the other implementations, Arguably, the, the Samsung implementation of the triple camera just in the straight strip. Maybe some people think it looks better. But Apple seems to have been committed to this top corner camera situation. And it looks at this point like they're sticking to it for better or for worse. Now, another thing to mention about this particular render is the hold switch has changed to a circular design. The lock switch there. It can either be an orientation lock or it can silence the phone. Uh, they switched over, they switched the switch to like a narrow, slender kind of switch that switched front to back. This render is suggesting that it's going to be a circular switch up and down, similar to what's been on some iPod, iPods, no, iPads in the past. So that's a possibility as well. Either way, we're getting closer to the next iPhone and chances are it's going to look something like this. So I guess this is a question to smartphone users, but also Apple fans specifically. Are, are you going to put your money where your mouth is on this one? Like, I heard a lot of people saying, when I, when I put a tweet out with this particular mock-up, a lot of people saying, no way, it's ugly, I'm not buying it, I'm done with Apple. I don't really believe that. I think Apple fans are going to put up with this design. And, and my point of view, once this thing hits the market and it becomes commonplace and people get used to it, you're going to stop noticing that it looks so strange or different. People just get caught up, especially with iPhones, since they're so popular, you get caught up on them looking a certain way. You can't imagine the alternative. But there's a, a couple other things to mention in this particular mock-up. Two sizes, 5.8 inch, and then the bigger uh, max size, 6.5, I think it is. And it's not listed in this particular article, but a max version, yeah, 6.5. And obviously OLED, no change to the charge port. It's still supposedly going to be lightning somehow. I don't, I don't get it. 2019 we're living in should be usb type c but apparently it's, it, according to this mock-up based on 
the leaks that are currently available, it's still going to be lightning. So you're stuck, Apple people. I feel like that's one thing Apple really should catch up on because their laptops, they're Type-C. You really could have one charge brick for everything, and it would quick charge the phone. If you have a MacBook, you're already set. It's a bit unfortunate that they're sticking to that, but I do understand there's a lot of accessories that use that particular port, so maybe they want to, I don't know. They're slow in, these, in that department. They're slow anyway. Now, there is another video that emerged on this topic. Uh, I believe it was posted on a Chinese website or Japanese website. It was uh, a dude actually 3D printed this particular render. And you can, you can find that video clip there and just give people a quick glimpse. Yeah, that's, that's the video clip right there. He's actually made dummy units on 3D printers to just do a quick comparison. I've done this in the past, actually, a 3D mock-up. And this shows, once again, the same camera layout. It does look strange. It always looks strange at first when you see these things and there's any alteration. The notch is still there with the Face ID tech in it. It still uh, perseveres. And that's your camera layout. So, Apple fans, let me know what your thoughts are. Is it so ugly you're going to switch platforms? Are you cool with it? Are you like, you know what? I'm going to get used to it. I think Apple people, Apple fans, Apple users will get used to it. And they'll probably be happy to have a, a wide-angle lens, as far as I'm concerned. Because for me, on a smartphone, this day and age, that's just what they have to have now. Competitors have it. They have to have it. All right, what do you got, Will? You've got a couple stories. you probably heard of this one. I may have heard of it. Oh, yeah, iFixit removes their Galaxy Fold teardown at Samsung's request. I mean... I guess they didn't have to, right? That's just Samsung requesting to take it down. That's mm -hmm. kind of cool, I guess, that they listened, maybe. Like, here's the thing. Samsung is being so transparent about this issue. It's surprising. Like, you don't see this from these companies all the time. Sometimes you'll see they'll be really quiet or they'll put out these super calculated press releases. Samsung is just like, though they emailed us, mm -hmm. They like kindly ask iFixit. They say, this is not, not our, final, our final product now. Can you please take it down? And they do. It's a bit bizarre to see the communication, the lines of commu communication exist this way with so much transparency. Anyway, basically what Samsung's saying here is, hey, it's not our final product. It's not our retail product. So the teardown is not what it will eventually be. So because we've brought back all the review units, and we're reworking our packaging, presumably, maybe even something to do with the hardware. Uh, just refrain from having that indicate to people that that is a final product. So, but, but, you know, the interesting thing about this is if the hardware wasn't going to change at all, but only the paperwork in the box regarding the warning, then you would think there'd be no reason to take down the teardown. Mm -hmm. So maybe they do intend on... But imagine trying to rapidly change the hardware in the short frame of time you would assume that they would have now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, do you think that they're going to do a radical change? I would just find it really hard to believe that that's possible. I, at this point in development, like they've been developing this thing for eight years. And then they're just going to snap their fingers and go, oh, the screen has changed substantially. The only thing I, I would think maybe they could do is change the way the adhesive is working with that extra layer on top. Maybe they could make it stick a little bit more so even if you were tempted to pick at it, it would be harder to get under the edge. Whatever it is has to be a fairly quick fix at this point in development. That's the way I'm looking at it right now. So when I heard that the models were going back, 
my instinct was, okay, they're going to change the way the packaging warns you about that top layer. That's for sure probably going to happen. For sure probably. <laughs> but as far as the hardware, I don't think there's that much they can do. It may be something to do with that top layer. But imagine, they were ready to go. Yeah. Those things were set to ship on the 26th. So those were in boxes. They they were sealed up. They were moving to warehouses, man. Now they have to be taken apart. They got to crack them all open. It's a it's a major headache, but it's a good thing. The transparency here is good. I love this kind of dialogue between those that make videos, create content around this stuff, and the brand themselves. That's good stuff. And the fact that it never got to customers, because if this, like, as we all can imagine, if this happened at the customer front, then that's a real fiasco. That's a real problem. That's human beings, hard-earned dollars. It's not just your average, you know, guy like you, Willie Do. Yeah. We don't want another Note 7 situation. You don't want a Note 7 situation. So that's pretty cool. I got another thing over here. Did you hear uh, Razer is putting out a laptop with an OLED display? The new Blade. The no. new Razer Blade. It seems like they're putting out a, a new Razer Blade every five minutes. Not that I care. I mean, if you can make improvements to it, why not? But the new one is going to come in a couple of different variants because not everybody is for the OLED tech in a laptop. There are some downsides, potential downsides, relating to screen burn-in. And, of course, you can't have the refresh rate that you can have on the traditional technology. But I think it's pretty cool just because it's one of those areas. I mean, we see OLED TVs. We got them here. We got OLED on our phones. Where, where is it for our laptops, right? So there's going to be a 15-inch 4K display it's going to be expensive, but it's going to be available on the Blade 15, the new Blade 15. Now, I get it. This is kind of weird. Why would you want OLED? Why would you want 60 hertz on a gaming laptop? But I think the OLED model is going to be aimed at content creators, creative types, like as a workstation more so. And then they're still going to make a 240 hertz version, apparently, for the heavy-duty gamers, which is going to have the refresh rate they're looking for. But, of course, it won't have the contrast, and the beautiful look of the OLED model. I haven't, I don't think we talked to Razer. I think you should send an email to yep. Razer, actually, because I would love to check out this OLED version and just compare it to more typical laptop display. For, for a guy like me, I do limited gaming on the laptop, but staring at OLED is something I like to do. Now, the OLED on this laptop is going to be manufactured by Samsung, like it seems 90% of... OLEDs at this point are manufactured by them. And Samsung has claimed that they found a way around some of the drawbacks of OLED on a laptop. Of course, on a laptop, you have static things. You have the taskbar, which sits there all the time and you would think would be a threat for burn-in. But apparently, uh, apparently Samsung's going to be utilizing some pixel shift technology so that that can't happen. I want to check that out for myself and see if that's the case. Obviously, this is a very expensive laptop. People are going to be concerned about that. But it's cool nonetheless. OLED trickling into laptops, mm -hmm. I think it's a good thing. What do you got next, Will? You got something else. You got one more thing. Yeah. MuseNet. It's uh, using deep neural network. It's basically software that creates music. Huh. AI. Like AI. AI yeah. music? AI creativity? And I think it's coming out in May. A deep neural network that can generate four-minute musical compositions with 10 different instruments and can combine styles from country to Mozart to the Beatles. This is how, uh, this must be how Old Town Road was uh, created, <laughs> I'm guessing. Manufactured. It, MuseNet was not yeah. 
explicitly programmed with our understanding of music, but instead discovered patterns of harmony, rhythm. That's scary. Mm-hmm. That's kind. It's kind of scary, right? Because creativity is that last, the last, the humanity's last hope. It's the thing we got left. Creative. Oh, is that Otis is getting riled up over there? Yeah, He's not. Otis is worried about the AI as well. He's protecting human ingenuity and creativity. No, of course something like this can happen, though. You feed it enough examples of melody, harmony, and it can try to replicate, map that out. That's kind of exciting. Can you play some of it, Will? Yeah, what's cool is you can add a little snippet here of yeah. like regular music, and okay. then it just generates a whole like song. Oh, wow. So you give it like a little bit of... Oh, composing the style of Chopin, starting with Mozart. Oh, wow. Yeah. It just goes into like a I got you. I understand. Style. It's so we're looking at some like MIDI style notes here. And it's using the original example of what you feed it in order to then guess and generate a longer form version. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously, it has the appearance of experimental creativity improvisation i've i've heard of something similar to this uh in in terms of uh visual art where where algorithms could attempt to recreate visual images but it's a hot topic in music i I mean anywhere yeah look at that ai and machine learning invade new york art gallery i mean it's creepy it's a bit creepy to think that eventually ai will pretty much do what humans do we do it in our biological form and then ai is going to be the robotic version the enhanced mechanical version of us potentially but who knows maybe there's still something special about us maybe it can't do maybe maybe there's a mystical component maybe there's some deeper humanity at play that doesn't get mapped maybe there's an essence above and beyond who knows well mm-hmm. this we're, how, how we can't get too spiritual on this podcast or no. we could. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I talk to a lot of humans. I'm out there. I love mm-hmm. humans. Humans got something going on. And so we'll see how this thing plays out in the future, Terminator style. Mm-hmm. Humans are crafty too. I mean, I, we're not, you know, they're obviously computers are great. Don't get me wrong. But humans are all right as well. So if the battle has to go down, Maybe we maybe we bring something to the plate. Maybe you can't do everything we can do. Our uh, creativity. Creativity. Well, that's what that's the thing, though. That's precisely what's under attack here. Yeah. Creativity. We can collaborate. I mean, we have drawbacks too. If we're being completely honest, we got our problems. Yeah. We got our problems. Biological problems. We don't have to get into it. Mm-hmm. I saw an article on CNET about screen time. CNET screen time apparently it's getting out of control screen time is rising and the world health organization actually has come out and said look if you're under five years old you better chill on the screen time they're real they're real worried about it now not everyone agrees of course the tech companies are telling you you need plenty more screen time the tech companies says the unlimited screen time but if you're under five apparently they want you to be on there less than an hour and under one not at all Apparently, you're supposed to be looking at human faces, interacting, being a human. Uh, There it is. That's the kids under five one. 
But even for people who are older, they're, they're saying that the typical screen time now is venturing close to three hours a day, and that that's probably unhealthy itself, and maybe not making people feel so great. So here's my play on that. Obviously, technology is here to stay. It's an important component in our lives. It can add value, tremendous value to our lives, just like this show will, okay? Just like this show. I would say where I've made some changes in my life to make sure that the technology, the screens and whatnot enhance my life rather than subtract from it is to make sure that, that my engagement is deliberate. That I'm not just, that I'm not just uh, tumbling through some algorithmic experience, but instead I'm, I'm choosing things that add value for me. Where I see utility and I can directly click on something and say, I want to spend my time doing that particular thing. I also kind of like technology wherever it can enhance my experiences that I'm already have, having. Like, for example, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks. That's knowledge that I wouldn't necessarily be acquiring if it weren't for those technologies. And I could still be functional through other tasks while engaging in that. Like, if I was reading a physical book, I couldn't be uh, doing things around the house. I couldn't be fixing the plumbing. I, I don't really know how, but actually, I have a leak right now. I don't know anything about plumbing, but I have a leak right now. Well, you can listen to a podcast about plumbing. And exactly. Plumbing. This is, that's what I'm talking about. I love technology where there's immediate utility. It's what I've always loved about YouTube, in fact, is that no matter how niche you want to get, you can find the thing. You can have the conversation. It's, it's also why I like long form. You end up learning about things maybe unexpectedly. Uh, but, but yeah, deliberate experiences i think we all have this sense for when we're engaging in garbage like oh that's garbage like low level this thing appealed to me on a knee-jerk kind of condition like i just ah uh, am i really click you know what i'm saying yeah ah uh, did i really just watch that so i think you can you can can really change the way you end up feeling post technology session if you become more disciplined and deliberate about what you choose to engage with and engaging with the stuff that you feel like enhances your life, adds to it, has some utility component to it, helps you, helps you think, helps you learn something new, helps you make a better purchase, you know, things like this, helps you with some research as opposed to the lowest just entry point, turn my brain off type of thing and I, I feel like personally i've it's been my aim to kind of chill on that as well as like just on your smartphone notifications just turn them down a little bit you know distraction turn it down a little bit deliberate movements alongside technology symbiotic behavior recognizing the power and putting it to use for you instead of being consumed by it tumbling down some algorithmic rabbit hole which can happen so so easily yeah we have a lot of time on our hands yeah too much it can go it can go either way man it could be good it could be bad it depends on your agenda and how much discipline you have all right you got some questions for us will yeah what is it what do we got okay here we go hello lou and jack and will and everyone else kirk you're everyone else do you ever get the feeling you spend too much time with technology will you didn't know I was going to go with that topic beforehand. I need a break from it all because it feels like everything is spinning around in social media and everything else. 
and is controlling more of our day-to-day life. P.S. Sorry if my spelling is a bit weird. I'm from Finland. Give me a pass. You got a pass. Full out pass. I mean, we just talked about it, but yeah, you're, you're bang on. It's all about that discipline piece because it's like the world is opened up to you now. All the good stuff, all the bad stuff. It's all open straight up. And I think people have a misconception that they can just engage with anything and then escape. Like, oh, I can just dip in there for like five minutes and the impact, there's no impact. I can just flip around and then maybe wake up one day and not feeling great, depressed, whatever else. And it's like, it's all, it's all part of your experience. Your, pers- your perspective, your experience is all tied up in your exposure and what you choose to expose yourself to. If you sit around all day watching, I don't know, terrible things, it's probably going to, at some point, penetrate your thought process. It's possible. You know, if I sat around and read mean comments all day, at a certain point, it would become unhealthy. So discipline allows you to control your exposure in the sense that you become, you, you're able to direct your experience more, be in the driver's seat more, be a passenger less just floating through the thing, but instead holding the steering wheel the whole time. So what I would say to our friend from Finland here, I would say to him, uh, make sure to control your experience as much as possible and put technology to use for you. I don't think that a complete extraction, cold turkey, is gonna, be, is gonna serve you all that well because it's gonna be hard to participate in modern life. It could actually isolate you even further from the people around you to say like, oh, I'm a hermit. I don't mess with this at all. I don't think it's feasible for most people, especially the way people work nowadays and whatnot. So my suggestion is get better at how you manage those experiences. Use discipline. Keep your smartphone in your pocket. Tweak it. Toggle it back a bit. Like I said before, turn down those notifications. Use do not disturb mode. Track your screen time in certain applications. Hide your apps, right? Like a lot of people have been talking recently about quitting social media. I don't think you need to quit completely. You could just move the app to a different location a few pages back. You'll be amazed at the impact it makes. Give it a shot. Take the Instagram app, move it further away from your daily, and and you'll see how that habit starts to fade just a little bit. You make these slight adjustments from a disciplined perspective and the outcomes they, they start to pile up. The positive outcomes, that is. In my personal experience, I can only speak from that point of view. Hey, Lou, wanted to say I appreciate your view and how you approach your responsibilities on the channel. My question is simple. What is hands down the greatest kind of pizza type of crust? <laughs> and what are your go-to toppings? So I've been saying you can ask questions that aren't strictly tech-related. Yeah. It's just weird because it went so serious. And so serious. <laughs> well, this could be serious depending on... It could, yeah. Depending on your point it's of view, but pizza, it, pizza is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's one of the most important foods on, plant, on the planet. I'll tell you, I mean, nobody wants me to go this deep, but like pizza, what I love about it, it's an inherently social food. It comes in a shareable condition, right? They, you can, there's the, the, the expectation is a social environment, potentially a party. There's even a party-sized pizza, which is like a typical thing that everybody knows about. Can you imagine the food is telling you to party? It's incredible. Like who's not having fun? around a pizza everybody knows what a pizza means 
and the mood they should be in when that pizza arrives. So I love pizza for, well, for other reasons. I mean, it tastes fantastic. There's lots of reasons. But anyhow, I like a traditional, like what Will just brought up is kind of a dream come true for me. I like an Italian margarita pizza, fresh out of the wood-burning oven, you know, the old school brick oven with the with the tile on the outside imported from italy directly with the with the char on the crust and a a, a crunch to it a fire burned kind of flavor to it thick or thin i'd say i i would say it's the crust itself is is it has some thickness on the outside but the rest the crust on the inside like towards the center is thin that would be my opinion. Of course, you just brought up a classic pizza unboxing with our, our good friend, Mr. Brad Hall. That's not far off, that pizza right there. Now, again, there's two different types of pizza. There's like the elitist pizza that I just mentioned with the, with the basil and the fresh mozzarella. And then there's like, we're having a party. I can appreciate both equally. Like, I don't care. I can get down with the a meat lovers. No problem. I'll even eat Domino's Pizza Hut. For me, it's all a party. And there's levels to it. And I'm not discriminatory when it comes to pizza. So I say, do you, do your thing. But I always like to give the homage to the original. The original uh, Naples from, like, uh, where did it originate? Can you bring that up for me? Where did pizza originate? Because if I, if I recall correctly, it was a presentation to the queen who came from Rome to this other area, and it was a gift. It was like, have you ever tried pizza? And it blew up from there. But it was basic. It did not have a lot of toppings. There definitely was no, no pepperoni or anything like that on it. Okay, the word pizza document, here we go. Southern Italy, of course. In Naples, you see? Okay, modern pizza, and it developed in Naples, so I nailed that. And uh, what, ancient Greeks messed with it? I mean, it's a magical food. Oh, there we go. Margarita, to honor the queen. See what I'm saying here? The Neapolitan pizza maker, Raphael Esposito, created the pizza margarita, garnished with tomatoes, mozzarella, and basil. And it was to represent the national colors of Italy, as in the Italian flag. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. 1889. So... Obviously, different versions of pizza existed before that, but that's the popularized version that we've all engaged with. What, 30? 30 what? Oh. So that's the popular version we've all engaged with, and so I pay homage to it. When people ask me, I say I like the classic, but I'll mess with any pizza, any pizza out there. No problemo. All right, what do you got? Let's question. do one more question. Is that what you got? You got one more question? Yep. Thanks for spreading your knowledge to all of us. Your fans, I feel like having your opinion is val valuable when it comes to today's technology. As a student in Ireland studying software development, what app would you love to use daily that isn't out there yet? Would love to make an app or something that would help the world be a better place. Whoa! That's a lot of pressure on the last question of the day. Uh, whew, there's so much potential here. The fact that he put make the world a better place is... Uh, throw me for a loop because now I feel like I got to do something almost charitable or something like this. Uh, but the problem with that is you might not have 
it might not have mass appeal or adoption. So you almost want to have some kind of an app that does have the mass appeal, but then like maybe a percentage of it helps the world become a better place, something like this. Maybe that's the possibility there. What would the app be? Uh, Google Stadia. <laughs> Someone's already working on it. Um, an app that isn't out yet. Is there really like opportunity like for an app that isn't out? There's so many apps, dude. It's, it's, it's apps galore right now. Mm -hmm. Video apps, food apps, transportation apps. Uh, could we have another food app? You like food, pizza? But, but, I, but I, yeah, we just talked about pizza. And so I'm in the mindset of food. I'm starving right now. But do we, there's so many already. I mean, we have food reviews. We have food delivery. Groceries. Groceries. You have all those task rabbit type of apps where like people can yeah. go do things for you. Uh, you have the meals that come to your door now that you then go and cook. What about, Okay, so there's a website that I really like called Wirecutter where you can kind of at any moment look up like what is the best, what do they think is the best product in a particular category, kind of, you know, kind of to a certain extent like product reviews where they will claim to have tested, you know, extensively one particular product category. What about some kind of app like this that could help people get the best you know, buy the best thing within a particular category that they know has been tested by the group behind the app. Now, maybe this business plan is a bit too comprehensive, but I wonder if you could have a, a, a version of this website in an app. Maybe they already have an app. I don't know. Because there's many times you're looking for something in a particular product category and you might have to decide rapidly. Like you might find yourself in a store looking for, I mean, in this case, they go as crazy as like coffee makers. You may be like, I need a coffee maker. And you're, you're standing in the store already. And there you go. Or a coffee grinder. It gets very specific. Or a vacuum cleaner. Maybe there's an app version of this you could pop out on mobile. But I guess, it, I guess it's a lot of work. It's a whole operation. They got plenty of people working for them. I don't know. I'm trying here, trying to help out. Maybe you could just make an app that creates AI music. How about that? Ever heard of that, Will? There Talked about it earlier. All right. Anyway, there you go. That's my imagination for the day. If I think of anything better, I'll let you know in a future episode. If you have questions you want answered on this show, all you have to do is email him. That's will at lulater.com. That's where it all goes down. You can ask anything. It doesn't have to be tech-related. You just saw it yourself. It's been fun. It's been a blast. Camera controversy, new iPhone, OLED, razor blade. It's technology. It's always changing. It's always happening. What's the impact? What's the effect? Are you going to survive? What about mankind, the human race? Nah. We'll see. Time will tell.